my spidey senses tingling. We all set out to get him with a fine-tooth comb. He's the real thing. He's slim. He's the host of That Paper Keg Podcast, episode 95. Welcome to the show where we talk uh, industry news, the books we're reading together, and a book club. Every week we read the same book. And we talk about it. This week, Valiant, Fred Van Lenty, Archer, and Armstrong. And then we'll read your letters live to close out the show. Uh, to my left, he is sporting a brand new goatee that I've never seen before. He's VP of merch, VP of getting us featured on Libsyn's podcasts chart top twenty-five. Uh, Dale underscore A, welcome back. I do it all for paper keg i do it all for our hearts and i do next to nothing to get this delicious looking mess on my face shaving once a week with the gillette fusion power with the regular gillette fusion head on the on the handle and that's that's the magic combination right there show sponsored gillette fusion uh, pick those up at your local The comic book shop in Delaware They're the best uh, Sitting to his left Unpublished writer Fanfic Maestro uh, He is Near death He's an alcoholic That's a fact but his doctor says he's in peak physical condition. Jonesy loves beer. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I am the fan feistro. <laughs> I love uh, fanfic, and I just want you to break through that stigma and read it all day, every day on your phone apps. Thank you for having me. Phone he's got a blue shirt on, too. Blue. Yeah, it's weird. Change it up, Ed. Uh, making his triumphant return uh, from the Lazarus Pit of podcasts. Mark Farrington, you're the DC historian. Uh, you're a Batman genealogist. You're a published writer. You're not just some guy who says he's a writer. You know, you, you're actually published. You get yes, it sir. done. And you're black. Welcome to the show. It's good to be back and as a gift for my triumphant return i come bearing the first paper keg introduction rebuttal on wow. during the fireside chat wow <laughs> i almost said i almost thought he was gonna say it's good to be black just for a second <laughs> i hoped Racist. he was gonna say it there's jonesy more to me than the color of my skin it's inappropriate jonesy i, I, I enjoy mark comics mark it down read like the sports. wiki just patented jonesy being uh, racially wow. inappropriate I mean, just as opposed it. to all the time when I'm appropriate with all other subjects, this one time we have a lot, a lot to get to. Jonesy, just stop. Uh, please leave your own home so we can record this podcast. <laughs> Let me mix down my channel right here. Sorry. A uh, lot happening. The book of the week: Archer and Armstrong, the Valiant reboot that everyone adores. We're going to get w- into it. Wish I knew it was a reboot when I started reading, but we'll get into that. Look out. Uh, podcast spoilers. You heard it first from Mark Farrington. And I also, later in the show, I want to get your thoughts on League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I think which was your pick for the last episode we did, but you were uh, not here. Word. Uh, Dale underscore A, you're the newsman. 
on the show. Correct. I have been shouldered with such responsibility, and I aim to take it as serious as possible. Um, what's happening in the world in Nia's right now? Uh, well, firstly, today, we, uh, we in the comic uh, fandom uh, will pass along our condolences for the passing of Carmine Infantino. Uh, best known for um, creating the updated version of The Flash and Barry Allen, co-creating with Robert Kaniger and Julia Schwartz in 1956. And uh, he also co-created Barbara, the, Gar- the Barbara Gordon version of Batgirl. What? Workable, yep. workable legs in Fantino. Uh, born in 1925 in Brooklyn. 1925 people guy was 87 and uh we we lost a great one today fellas hmm. um being a the, uh, creator of some dc works i know mark has probably um i don't know been attached to this man at least barry allen i mean for whatever reason he created some of the most famous character characters and comic covers in comic history the Flash Showcase Number 4 with Barry Allen running on the film strip, inked by your boy Slim Joe Kubert. Love they did death. that one. They did Flash Number 123, The Flash of Two Worlds. Carmine Infantino, his pencils helped bridge the gap between the Golden Age of Comics and the Silver Age of Comics. The things he was doing on covers and the things he was doing for characters are still stuff that people use now. His one single issue that he did with Flash 123 where Barry Allen met Jay Garrick from the JSA, introducing the multiverse, Earth 2, concepts that are still used today. Man, that guy was good. Wow. He also hired Jack Kirby to create the Fourth World titles over at DC. Hmm. <clears throat> guy did it all. Wow. So we want to uh, say uh, farewell, and um, we hope you're in a better place. If you suffered, if you suffered, I'm not sure. Uh, Very uh, VP of awkward uh, condolences. I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm getting me better. when I die. Please don't speak at my funeral. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even coming. Jonesy's doing the synopsis of your funeral. Oh, Lord. That would be even worse if, if you I, imagine If that. I die before Jonesy, so help me God, I will haunt everyone, every one of you. <laughs> that would, What a travesty that would be. You better go haunt his doctor. Thanks. I'm going to go after his doctor first. I'll tell you what. Love you, Jonesy. <laughs> yeah, it shows. <laughs> now we're uh, we're moving on to rebirths. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about a little Kurt Busiek title called Astro City. What? Finding a new home over at Vertigo. And we'll uh, kick off a new ongoing series in June... Under the Vertigo imprint. Huge. Huge news. Did you, so huge. Did you get yelled at again by Kurt Busiek for not finishing Volume 2 uh, when this news broke? I'm afraid to approach his Twitter until I finish and review every single issue of the first volume. Uh, because otherwise he will not take my work as serious. I'm excited. So, I'm very yeah, excited for this. That's pretty boss. And through some social engineering of... Kurt's Twitter feed, I will find you and hunt you down, Kurt Busiek. Um, he little let, let slip the Comixology digital versions of Astro City will also be appearing in June. So exclusive. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna bend over now. <laughs> <laughs> just hand over your wallet to the yeah. Comixology checkout system. I prefer syrup. You know what I mean? <laughs> Syrup. <laughs> so that is amazing news for the uh, folks here at Paper Keg who loves Astro City, loves Kurt Busiek, mm. and mm. knows where he lives, uh, Kurt Busiek. Yeah. On the Twitter. Are you, is he shackled right now on your in your basement? Is he shackled up and you're... Prancing around his bed with a huge hammer. <laughs> prancing. I'm not prancing. <laughs> I mean merely. Are you hobbling Kurt Busiek right now? <laughs> Be honest. 
Uh, Remind me to make a meme later. Okay, <laughs> I do it all for you and uh, your meme do, do, do we have any other news or is that it? Should we move on to the comic talk? Well, I, I just wanted to squirt out there that uh, IDW announced a Jeff Smith Bone Artist Edition. That's mm. kind of fun. Um, they're the super expensive, like $150 um, Artist Edition volume, but it's bone. So maybe you should uh, go ahead and reserve that now. Yeah, that's a, that's a coffee table book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no words, just the art. Although he did the words for that book also. So would it include the text? In the speech bubbles or no? That's a good question. I'm going to go ahead and ask can, Jeff when I see can him. We, uh, yeah, next time you uh, are Twittering Jeff Smith, be sure to ask him that, please. He's, um, when we go and break, I'll just go over to the next room and ask him. Okay, yeah. Wake he's him up, sh- splash some water on his face if he's been passed out from some kind of chloroform He's shackled fabric. to the radiator. There. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark Farrington. You're not a psychopath when it comes to creators, but what did you read this week? I read Ultimate Comic Spider-Man number 21. It is continuing this battle with Venom where, actually, it's an aftermath issue. Miles Morales' father has been gravely hurt, taken to the hospital. Miles is talking with his best friend, Ganke. Is that how you pronounce his name? Who knows? Anyway, Fyakov, Mary Jane, and Gwen Stacy come over to Miles' house to talk to him about the origin of Venom. Detective Maria Hill comes over from NYPD Blue, asks some questions, basically drops some hints that something's going on here. You got Spider-Man's ex-girlfriend. You've got the girl who lived with Peter Parker. You've got Miles. Something's not right. And she leaves. This book is really starting to tick me off. This is Bendis. Decompression style Bendis. So take the normal like character length and arcs that he would do and break it down even further. Nothing's really happening. I feel like... I don't know. It's... Bendis should not have made Spider-Man this young. Oh, in 20, gosh. In 21 issues, nothing has happened. Nothing has happened in this story. 21 issues into the original Ultimate Spider-Man run, you had Peter made his web fluid. He got his powers. He fought the Green Goblin, Doc Ock. He fought Electro, the Kingpin. Spoilers. Spoilers. So Spoilers. much happened. And in this, he's just... Crawling by slower than a turtle on downers, the pace of this book. Oh my wow. gosh. Sounds like a, a dare officer Mark, visiting uh, a local Mark grade Farrington school. does not speak for the paper keg hosts, also present. Just want to point that out. That, I mean, that whole, uh, the whole podcasting den over there is just a den of Bendis hating iniquity. Uh, it blooms is. off I think the roses. exact quote was, the bloom is off the rose from Jonesy Lowe's beer. He, he he pulled his pants down and he put his iPad on the ground and then just dropped a big flaming S on that iPad all new X-Men issue. It was inappropriate is what it was. But all new X-Men's firing on all four cylinders and yeah. Uncanny X-Men's been hot. This isn't something Ultimate. where, like, All New is now firing on three out of four cylinders. All New has been <laughs> firing on four out of four. And this might this, be an eight. They, it might have upgraded to an eight-cylinder engine yeah, at this point. Yeah. But as far as Ultimate Spider-Man con- is concerned, Volume 2, take the dog back behind the barn and put it out of its misery. Because this book is dragging. Man. I know he 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 it's can do that. He, he certainly has the uh, the muscles to drag out a book but i'm curious to see how i mean the dialogue must be spectacular though because the guy can read uh write some ultimate dialogue with mary jane and stuff like that but i haven't i haven't even read that so let's put that on the docket to read ultimate spider-man volume two i mean you're right he can he's bendis is the king of dialogue ain't too many people in the game who can do it better than him but it just infuriates me when it feels like he's milking this storyline and this book we'll be the judge of that mark when we make hopefully ultimate spider-man morales one of our next book clubs 
Yeah. Prove me wrong, Slim. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We could probably read three trades. If you're saying it's so decompressed, we could, it probably equals one trade. We could you read know? three trades, and I can tell you one thing happens the entire time. <laughs> three trades of this story arc is like, I don't know, a day and a half gone by in the life of Miles Morales. Wow. Ain't uh, much happening, bruh. Let's, let's cool our jets. Cool our eight-cylinder engines of yeah. all new X-Men. And Dale underscore A, you look fantastic, first of all, if I, if I may just say that. Uh, thank you. Thanks. What did you read this week? I read, get this, the Secret Skull miniseries, issues one through four, Steve Niles, the precursor to the Mystery Society. I picked this these gems up during the Steve Niles 99 cent sale on Comixology. Hmm. <clears throat> The Secret Skull is from 2004, so it predates the Mystery Society by six years. Has a a, a different tone to the book, mm-hmm. but at at its core, the Secret Skull is still a a vigilante. I guess it revolves around a family, uh, a girl. I forget what her name is. Some something Brooks, who is bitten by a ghoul in a cemetery. She starts having dreams about um, people who are going to be murdered, you know, days from now. She dreams the actual time of uh, time limit of when they will be killed. So what she does is dons the secret skull outfit and starts killing the killers of these people, sort of mm-hmm. preemptively doing uh, saving these people. Her father is the chief of police. And her fiance is a cop. The father is out to get the secret skull. The secret skull has been on the lam for two years, out committing murders. And she has a dream that somebody is out to kill her father. She. In, in a lot happens in this four issues, and and nothing at the same time. And I, it was really great, but by the end, she finds out a gang leader has been trying to hire some somebody to kill her father uh, to get him out of the way of for his gang activities. And the fiancé knows she's the secret skull, but is working kind of with the father to kind of lead him off on a, on a chase of sorts so as to not pinpoint who the secret skull really is. It's a very se- serious tone to the book. There's none of the humor that she brings to the Mystery Society, so it's kind of cool to see how the evolution from this four-issue miniseries of this vigilante kind of ghoul half-human kind of morphs into what she is at the in the Mystery Society, which, I mean, she's she's the coolest in Mystery Society, but she's more humor. But she's, I guess it's also because <clears throat> she's kind of succumbing to who she really is. She's a dead girl, yada, yada, yada. But uh, fantastic read. Pick it up. The art is beautiful. Chuck Beebe is on art. I'm not familiar with who that is, but the coloring, the art, very Steve Niles. Very, um, the ghouls have sort of a Cal McDonald vibe. I know he gets different people to uh, draw his Cal McDonald series, but it's very, it feels like a Steve Miles book, but that's not bad Mm -hmm. at all. Highly recommend this four issue mini. I started reading this and I was like stunned that it uh, wasn't like Mystery Society. Yeah, I, ha- I actually had to go and find out what came first because this had such a different tone to it. Yeah, I thought maybe if it was done at the same time as Mystery Society, he was just trying to do something different with the character, but it was completely completely different humorless mm-hmm. almost yeah it was but kind it was, of a bu- it was kind of a bummer i was like reading it in the first two issues like when is when does the ha-has come in here yeah when's the yeah, fun so. stuff start and then i started like going back to i actually redownloaded mystery society to make sure that this was the same character that appeared in that book because i was so taken aback by it um but it was it i actually haven't read finished reading it yet i downloaded them but i haven't finished uh they're quick and Quick they're recommended. Reads. But it's cool to see how he was able to take this character and for whatever reason squeeze her into the Mystery Society. I like I'd I would just like to ask him how he thought to do that and 
how the secret skull could possibly have kicked off the whole mystery society to begin mm-hmm. with somehow. It, I thought it was just interesting thinking about the backstory and the behind the scenes of it all. Cool. Let's uh, talk about a graphic novel that I read on the train this morning. A little book called Julio's Day by Gilbert Hernandez. <clears throat> Uh, from Fanographics. This is... You want to describe a graphic novel. It is completely unlike the majority of the books we read and on a weekly basis. You know, any, Whether it be superhero books or a book from Image, this is literally... It's from one of the creators of Love and Rockets. I'm not sure if anyone has really read that. Maybe the majority of our, our audience haven't. Hasn't. Um, I, thought the, I thought the name sounded familiar. Mm-hmm. Because we read it, right? Love and Rockets. We read, um, I think, Love and Rockets News Stories number one, I think. Um, so this this is a story. It's 100 pages, and it tells the entire life of the main character, Julio, from birth to death. And it's uh, it's like a biographical story that hits on several points in his life and his family's life of uh, growing up. Uh, how small moments in your childhood can affect who you become as an adult and the choices you make in adulthood can be the polar opposite of the decisions you should have made as a youth and it comes head to head. Uh, I don't want to say a whole lot about it because I really, really, really want it to be a book club that we do because it was amazing and I want to seek more books out that are like this. It's like a medium that we don't read a whole lot on a weekly basis. You know, we download all new X-Men every week, but there's no, I don't want to say slice of life because I hate that phrase, but it, (laughs) it's a book that, you know, I, I tweeted today that I read it and 20 minutes later I was still thinking about it. I just sat on the train and I like looked ahead and thought about what I read and how great it was. It's, uh, High, my highest possible recommendation. So I recommend it's 15 bucks. So it's a little on the pricey side for a digital book, but 100 pages, uh, amazing. Stew on it for a book club. I'll tell you what. I'm going to be stewing on it. Stew on it. Julio's Day. Jonesy Loves Beer. What did you read? Well, first let me change my Twitter handle to Jonesy Loves Backpedaling. Because I read All New X-Men 10 this week. And let me tell you, the bloom jumped out of my wastebasket, washed itself off, ran over, and jumped back on that rose. I'm assuming everyone here read it? I have. Yes. I don't know what kind of art steroids that Stuart Eminem was taking for this issue, but every page dripped like butter. So, who do you think is going over to Cyclops' dirtball team? Well, it's uh, not Beast, because that's absurd. (laughs) Uh, And our friend Ramsden seems to think it's Jean Grey from the past. And I could definitely see some crazy pseudo-sexual chemistry between old cyclops and young Jean. that's creepy that and, is very creepy and She's like bendy is just gonna go for it he's gonna go for the gold yeah i think uh, out of i think out of all of them i think Jean gray's looking to sow her telekinetic oats i mean she's like she's ready to see the world and she's ready to to sample everything that this new world provides like it's mm. she's definitely affected and it's probably because she's a little crazy to begin with and then she's telekinetic Reading people's minds. Telepathic. Telepathic. Oats. How about uh, even the Raza on the Twitter, friend of the show, pointed out how ugly Wolverine uh, is being drawn by Stuart Eminem. A different take than what's usually been done. I kind of like it that way. I kind of like his more bestial visage. (laughs) At least it's not mid-90s Wolverine with no nose and bone claws. Uh, Mark, if... We we don't bring that up on this show. That is an error that I'd rather not discuss. It happened. You can't. There was no crisis. It happened. That doesn't mean we have to talk about it. 
because we have to talk about it. He we had a bandana are, that covered his entire at, face. We're running at Mark. I'm going to slap you in the mouth. That's what okay. I'm going to do. We're running out of time. We need to move into the lightning round. Two sentences or less of a book you read this week. Uh, I think we started off with Mark Farrington. Extermination Alpha Number One. Age of Apocalypse Nightcrawler goes home, and by doing so, darn near destroys the entire universe. Three teams of X-Men have to take him down, and it feels like classic 90s excess, and I'm loving it. Good time. Hmm. Superior Spider-Man number seven. Humberto Ramos draws the Avengers. Humberto Ramos will be drawing up <laughs> Lightning I agree to whatever you're about I love to you, say. Ramos. Lightning agree. I, yeah, I love you, Ramos. Guardians of the Galaxy Infinite Gamora issue. I wish Marvel would produce a weekly comic book in the Guided View Infinite format because this book is gorgeous. Uh, second sentence Marvel is doing a weekly infinite book <laughs> uh, with Wolverine I think to start off sometime in a few months I know they made that announcement it's, it's not a spoiler it's it's already out there disclaimer for okay okay <laughs> the Defenders volume one <laughs> I can see quite clearly why this book got canceled but at least i got to see a tiger b slap dr strange at least one time in my life say what archer and armstrong from valiant by way of fred van lenti uh you know this is a book that valiant put out in the 90s from a dear friend Barry Windsor Smith on art. Oh God, Barry! Good, good friend of the show. Uh, he's in my second bedroom right now, locked up to my radiator. That's right. Got a Dale underscore A all over him right now. What's <laughs> what's this book about, Jonesy? Many many generations ago, ten thousand years to be exact, a alien device called the Boon was activated, and was pretty much responsible for the collapse of an ancient civilized race. The only survivor of which was a drunken immortal known as Armstrong. In modern day, the sect, which is a collection of multiple secret Illuminati type organizations, sends a accomplished martial artist slash assassin slash religiously brainwashed kid named Archer, Obadiah Archer, to go kill him and retrieve parts of the boon that when assembled could grant the sect immortality. And hilarity ensues. Four issues, solid storytelling, quick pace, and it's like a national treasure meets planetary meets Sin City. It's the best book you are not reading. Valiant is the publisher to beat going into 2013. Second quarter. Third quarter, fourth quarter. (laughs) (laughs) Jonesy loves business. Biz dev beer over there. (laughs) Uh, Mark Farrington is your first book club with us in uh, just too long. I I was reading this, and I think we all sat back, and we thought, man, Jonesy really screwed Mark on this one again. <laughs> but you, I want to hear it from the horse's mouth. What did you think of Archer and Armstrong, uh, and did you read the correct volume? Who knew that this was a remake of a story made 21 years ago? So I read the first two issues of the original. Thank God for instant message chains that... 
I reread and find out I was wrong. So, after beating the first two issues, I picked up the second volume. And let me just say, quite frankly, you guys couldn't be any more wrong. I love this book. It's astounding. Wow. wow. This astounding. Stunning. This book Stunning felt a lot like The Sword to me. Oh, I love The Sword. Except with a lot more comedic tones. Um, Jonesy had hit the nail on the head in the sense that it was a combination of a bunch of things. But the main trope that this book was is a fish out of water story. Our main story, Obadiah, our, our main character, Obadiah Archer, is raised in a religious compound in the Midwest and not too much exposure to the outside world. And as a teenager, he's sent to go find, quote unquote, he who shall not be named. We later learn is Armstrong. And I got a lot of enjoyment just watching Archer interact with the rest of the world, especially that first issue when he's walking through Manhattan. And the commentary is about, you know, mom and dad always said that it was a cesspool and it was corrupt. Things reek of sex and they were right. But the world's kind of cool in its own way. I enjoyed Mm. this book. I enjoyed the hell out of it. It makes me feel so good right now. Guys, there was no magic. There were no Westerns. And there was no zombies. There was a cult. There were cults. There was cults. There was no magic. Probably a member of. uh, Right. What's your your group that you may or may not be a member of, Jonesy? Uh, the, the Ancient Order of Hibernians. This Jesus. is actually, this is like the third time I've read this book, and I the Van Lente's like skill is being topical in his books, but not being over the top in your face, just making a reference just to make a reference. I, I the the, the in jokes about the one percent and Wall Street and all that stuff, where you know they're still super topical. But at the time, this was—I remember this being like the big news about this book. Where like, oh man, he's making a lot of one percenter jokes, and yeah, and they were—I I thought they're gonna blow up Greece. That was a good one. Yeah, that was good. I mean, I thought he does it in GI Joe, and he just he he and his action philosopher stuff are hilarious, uh, comic book comics. But it doesn't detract from the story at all. And I I read a few books that try to be like really present. And it just takes away from the story. But he does it in a way that doesn't detract in any way. This this book kind of, it's hard to compare to because it combines so many genres. But imagine if Why the Last Man... That you're not Man, allowed to talk about? Yeah, that I'm, <laughs> that I'm sworn to secrecy about. <laughs> but imagine if Why the Last Man were just slightly more comedic than it was. I mean, you're still interested to know what the boom was all about what really happened 10,000 years ago. You're interested to know how the sect rose to power. Uh, You're left to realize that Archer has some kind of strange ability that isn't really explained in the first four issues. So there's a lot of questions asked that are world-building questions that want you to come back for the next issues. On top of being this very witty satire. Uh, it's strange how clever Valenti was to weave them together. It almost reminds me of like a Joss Whedon weekly TV series where the mythology is great, the action's great, but the humor is just spot on. Anyone else get that feeling? I think his humor and his ability to point out like certain things of you know, today's society just in uh, the Congresswoman and Reverend's Promised Land Supervised Fund, Supervised Fund Center was just so spot on with like the fat dad riding around and the rascal mm-hmm. and the uh, the whole fat family talking about second lunch and everything <laughs> and the the heathen cultures exhibits in the uh, in the family center. I just thought it was just super funny because it was you know satire on like extreme cultures in the world today and Mm -hmm. i i I, it was it was a great read i'm glad i think uh valiant and ed van lenti did the right thing editorial or something they just did the right they did right by making the first volume four issues because you know it's it's kind of like a big 
it's a big step for somebody to commit to something new that's not their that's not their big two book, especially from a new publisher that may know nothing about the the valiant of twenty one years ago, like Mike bro- Mark brought up, <clears throat> and to just make it a four issue first volume with a ten dollar trade, you know, bound up edition, I think was just a great a great move because it's just enough story to get you hooked, but there's so much more beyond it that'll keep you coming back for more. Mm. And the world building, like like Jonesy said, the uh the G with the Geomancers. Yeah, that's the yeah. next that, volume I think coming up. Um it was just all so great the the mythology be- behind the sect and I, I did pick up on the fact that the sect, they mentioned that the sect took over secret societies. So the secret societies weren't the ones behind all this. The sect, the sect had just kind of invaded the secret societies and then made it, uh, you know, manipulated the societies to their, to their needs. And I love how uh, they kind of tied over with EXO a little bit and talked about how the sect pretty much took over the vine as well. And oh, the I didn't vine, even notice that. Yeah, the vine, of course, being the alien race from EXO Man of War. Oh, yeah, there's a couple references where they discover the secret Vatican files on the vine, and there's like an off-hand, off-hand comment from the uh, geomancer neo-Nazis about how they think the vine are a bunch of uh, wusses. Hmm. It's uh, it's great how they sprinkle some Valiant references in there. Actually, it wanted, it left cool. me wanting to go read the uh, like Blood Fist and Harbinger and all the other Valiant titles to see if there's any more sprinkles in there that I just missed. Someone actually told me that Harbinger is the best Valiant title. And I don't, I don't think I've read Harbinger yet. I haven't read a I, single issue. I think that was Van Lenty. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he told me that. Oh, yeah, he might have in the, the other yeah, podcast that I do. Is he actually just tapping Morse code with a tin cup on the radiator from the next room? <laughs> Maybe. He's trying to tell you that? <laughs> <laughs> tell him it's Harbinger, he says to his crusty lips, <laughs> crusty <laughs> dehydrated <laughs> lips. Ding, 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 ding. Tink, 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 tink. Uh, that's good. Now, Mark, you read the first two issues of the old series. Um, I I enjoyed the way that he found out his parents were into some funky ass. Like he, I, <laughs> that he, he was walk crazy. I'm pretty sure he walked in on his parents having kind of this weird sexual orgy where at the end they murder the young virgin that they brought in correct that is correct they were uh doing the grown-up and he walks in (laughs) and sees his parents half naked with a young lady roped and gagged and tied and taped and bound with cuts all over her and one of his parents holding a knife and at that point he's saying mommy daddy what are you guys doing they argue they knock him out next scene you know it, the house is on fire and he's tied up. His parents had left him there to die because they needed to cover their tracks. And that spurns Archer into going on this training and later vengeance quest just to get his revenge. Interesting twist. I don't know about you guys, but reading this new volume, there were multiple times I picked up my iPad and looked up things that they were referencing the story opens with narrations from genesis and i'm embarrassed to admit it i don't know if that was real or in made up by the comic i wondered the same thing um when they're talking to the nun tommy aquinas that's another thing i was reading it my girlfriend looks over and says why is a nun named tommy aquinas and she's catholic so she got who sir thomas uh aquinas was in the first place but I was explaining to her that they made a reference that Eve wasn't Adam's first wife. And it's the first time in a long time that reading a comic actually made me go learn something. And I appreciated that. I actually I actually picked up on some of that, too. And I wondered if it was all r- real. It made me feel like super ignorant to what was probably out there and common knowledge to a lot of people. But it was cool how there was a lot of um, a lot of stuff out there that he could mine to make the the background to this story even more believable and cool and and you know kind of real worldish like set behind the beliefs and 
<clears throat> and mythologies of, of real world kind of existing. One little element they put in there that you kind of find out why it's in the comics later on. I'm not sure if it's in this uh, first volume is whenever Archer does something, they sprinkle in the definition of what he's doing. Like, uh, for the instance, Krav Maga like, thing, Krav Maga, like, uh, Taekwondo and, you know, Western boxing and things like that. Like, it's just whatever move he does, they state the art and then a quick definition of what it is. I thought that was mm-hmm. really cool. I, for some reason, it, I really connected with it. I liked it a lot. I couldn't tell if they were doing that at first to be comedic, but they kept going through it and it got more and more interesting. Um, yeah, later in the series, they kind of explained that. Like that was, unless Jonesy said it and I didn't pay attention, but that was like part of his hidden skill, like some of his hidden talents that he's kind of like really important. He's like a Neo-esque character. Yeah, that's that's like almost his direct correlation is Neo from like the Matrix. How they explain it is that there is a spiritual repository of all the knowledge of mankind, uh, both physical knowledge and uh book learning or whatever and that some people are just born with the you know uncanny ability to tap it so they can subconsciously just know kung fu by the fact that they need it at any given moment the uh, i liked the relationship between archer and armstrong i thought it was uh, really cool and archer's still as as capable as he is he's still kind of innocent to the world like uh um ishmael from kingpin (laughs) Um, and uh, Armstrong is like worldly and drunk and uh, I just love their relationship together and how Armstrong could be like my bodyguard you know to protect him and and I obviously Archer's way capable but Armstrong is the the man of the world and knows what dangers and how people are scumbags and and stuff like that and Archer just has this this book is yeah. Kingpin. I'd, uh, maybe it, you're right. I think Van Lente <laughs> was just totally just mind the script of Kingpin. Let me just go over and ask him real quick. I'll knock on the door a few times. You know what else was cool about this book? This book flipped from comedic to serious at the drop of a hat. So even when they were dealing with something that might be ridiculous, the second that Van Lente wanted to pose them as a threat, it actually seemed realistic. For example, in the book opens with Archer and his foster siblings uh, sparring, trying to figure out who would be the champion amongst them to go out into the world and fulfill his parents' mission of killing Satan's avatar on Earth. And it was a little odd to see all of these young kids who were expert martial artists or incredible marksmen. But later on in the book, his siblings actually became his opponents. Uh, his parents took them after Archer and had them finishing their mission. And so the second they did that little turnaround, I'm thinking, you know what? That's instantaneously cool. That's really neat that now Archer has to go up against his siblings who think that he's a traitor to their family instead of just some random villain in a hood. I appreciated that. I also how they set I liked how he set up uh the stepsister Mary Maria mm. as uh, they kind of sort of almost activate the boon at the end of the fourth issue and uh she quite obviously dies and comes back but you're not sure in what kind of capacity and before you can learn she just exits the story so how that, far ahead? How far ahead are you in the series? To, I've, I read all back? eight. I've read all the eight issues, and by now she comes back. But oh, even then, really? they don't really go into what her deal is. Spoilers. Yeah. Exclusive. Thanks. <laughs> this was a fun read. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I mean, Stunning. this this is going to be on my pull list now. It's it was a really great issue. I'm telling you, I'm picking up Valium, Valium, and Valiant Comics. <laughs> Freudian slip <laughs> over here. <laughs> Not so Freudian. We got your letters I'm gonna open them up Farrington's gonna read them To you Letters at paperkeg.com We have an email box You shoot us a letter And we might read it on 
the era. Do we get any letters this week, Mark? We got a couple letters, as a matter of fact. First one up is from Tim, who has a suggestion for the episode 100 book. How about fifth favorite host, Jonesy's unpublished comic book? <laughs> Epic. Good Epic one. Tim, Tim, Tim's fast, I'll tell you Tim what. just won the contest, I think. Tim, new listener, <laughs> you new win troll. $100, Thanks Tim. for having us. Just kidding. That will never happen, question mark. <laughs> no one Tim, has... uh, come to the free comic book day in uh, Delaware. I want to meet you live in person. I am, bigger, I am bigger. I am bigger than I'm not going to be there. Come on. <laughs> no one has suggested The Walking Dead. Those first few traits were great. Now, well, The Talking Dead would be a better title. Keep it going, guys. I always look forward to listening to everyone. Did we... Do we do Walking Dead in the old comics podcast? I think. I don't know. Is that check, issue one? Check the archives. Yeah, volume one, I think. I think Mary, at Mary Train, myself, and Slim did Walking Dead. Oh, okay. Oh. Back in the like issue episode one or two, maybe. I don't know. Next up is from Penooch. Penooch. Hey, guys. Though Farrington does not have kids of his own, this might be a question he has considered or can figure out a response to. What is a book you can't wait to introduce your kids to? Not necessarily a kid comic, but a story you look forward to passing down and reading with them. Mm, also, my suggestion of I, Vampire was in response to the intention to cover a new 52 book at some point. Not necessarily for the 100th episode. For that, my suggestion would be Superman for All Season or Brian Wood's Channel Zero. See y'all at FCBD. Oh, yeah. Thanks. We we yeah. We're still looking for a new Fifty Two book to read. Not that we have any ambition to actually read it. I uh, to answer the question. I know it was kind of post mark. I can't wait till my son's old enough to read Mouse Guard with me. Such a mm. great story. I think Beautiful. he'd be able to get into it and into the characters. And uh, can't wait. Cannot wait. Um, I. It's got to be when he's old enough to know and be able to read and understand just Spider-Man and my love. Like, I will force my love on Spider-Man <laughs> down to him. And he better love Spider-Man just as it's a good quote right there. I'll tell you what. I'll force my love on Spider-Man. <laughs> okay. All right. But there's so much. I mean, I just want him to just love comics like I do. Slim? Um, I don't know what book... Uh, because a lot of the books that I read now, I can't, I can't imagine like that I was ready to read when I was nine. Yeah, like a lot of the X Men stuff that I know that I read when I was nine and ten and eight, I was like, this is stuff that I don't know what the heck. I must not have known what was going on when I was reading it. But I can't think of like I think the Superman Adventure books. We tried to read to him. Um, but he doesn't like to read on the iPad, really. And we tried to read Johnny Boo to him, but he just loves Curious George and his big, unwieldy book. <laughs> but, I mean, it's entirely possible he might not like comic books. That's a, that's a, that's, we'll have to just... Uh, Cross that road. Stand get strong. Ready, Cross that road. Get ready Stand for strong. it. But uh, I'm, I'm interested to see... Yeah, I mean, the, the, old, the Wolverines and the Spider-Mans and the Spider-Mens and... I mean, there there there's some good values in those Spider-Man books, in like most Spider-Man books, and I think that's why uh, I'd I'd want him to read those books, not the ones where he allegedly murdered massacre. I don't think he's going to be reading those. Alleged, okay, right, right, alleged. I, but like Slim, I think I'd have to wait until my kid was a little older to get it. But the one thing that I couldn't wait to read to him would be. Spider-Man Blue, because that's my favorite Spider-Man love story. I think that story encapsulates everything I love about Peter Parker and Kingdom Come. I bought that book when I was 14, read it so many times over, and every time I read it, I get a little bit more out of it, especially the older I get. And for everyone assuming that I would say Fear Agent, I wouldn't until he was a grown man and has experienced life. That's 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 not a story that... I would I would have I would tell him to purposefully wait till he's lived a nice uh, adult life. 
truthfully, I just can't wait to come to the, I don't know, to know that he's ready to just read a comic with me. We read a book with Grayson every night right now, and it's just his books right now. So I have, I just can't wait to come to the decision where he's old enough to just read even Superman, Family Adventures, or Tiny Titans. I can't wait to be able to put that in front of him and know that he can understand that. And then from that, then on, it's just open season. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for that time. I don't know how old it is. I, I, I don't know, four. I honestly don't know, but I, I just can't wait. Next up is coming from at Very Exciting. Here are some suggestions for 100. The book you won't read, Death, High Cost of Living, Neil Gaiman and Chris Bacillo. The book you should read, Judge Dredd, Mega Cities Masters, Volume 1. Or a very different book to try, Akira, Volume 1. Side note from me, we should do Akira at one point. Yeah, I would uh, jump on Akira. Single issues. His motorbike. Second. Single issues. Uncanny X-Men, number 244. Claremont and Silvestri. X-Men, Volume 2, number 10 and 11. Thanks for a great show every week from At Very Exciting. Hmm. Nice Thanks, brother. Hmm? Akira. Thank you. <laughs> For what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Next up is from Ramsden, who is throwing a cross-gen title in the mix for episode 100. Three favorites from that time were Roos, Sojourn, and The Negation. Sojourn, excuse me. Roos is a Victorian-era detective fiction written by Wade. Soren is a fantasy quest tale written by Ron Mars and drawn by someone who shall not be named. Don't look up his name unless you choose it. Slim, I know who did it. You hate that guy. The Negation is a sci-fi that had different aliens in prison. This one was probably my fave. I loved CrossGen and felt like I got shot in the heart when they went bankrupt. Sad day it was. Does uh, I wonder if he remembers um, El Cazador. Oh, man. I was a, that was a cross-gen title. I'd, for some reason, I just remember loving that book. I, I've recently, I think I maybe completed the run a couple of years ago at uh, uh, Wizard World Philly, but it was just a, it was a pirate story, which is amazing. But I just remember loving it for some reason. I don't really remember the story now, but I'd love to do some cross-gen. Hmm. Yeah, that's not the first time someone has brought up uh, cross-gen on this show. Last letters coming from Nikki Bonds. Kilt it with Paper Keg number 92. Amazing book club selection with Ruckus Punisher. I love this run so much. Thank you for bringing it to my attention. On another note, my suggestion for my chance to win them greenbacks is Sky Doll 1 to 3 from Marvel and has some crazy religion stuff happening, but I found it to be a cool story and the art was what I first was drawn to. I found this book at a bookstore for 50 cents. Talk about it come up. From Nikki who has been entered into our contest, along with everybody else who gave a suggestion. Nikki Bonds. There's a blast from the past, right? We haven't heard from him in a while. No, but I just always remember his emails come in a really weird font, and it freaks me out. I know, right? Even when I was reading this, I thought he was shouting at me. Font 20 Ariel or some such. I mean, he expresses himself. (laughs) So, (laughs) from... Does this mean Nikki picked up Punisher based off our discussion? We can only hope, Mark. I mean, that's what we're here for. We're here to spread the mm-hmm. nias of good comics. We're also telling people when to avoid them. So all you people who are dedicated to Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 2, <laughs> man, <laughs> jump off that bandwagon. <laughs> Alleged uh, jumping off the bandwagon. <laughs> it's okay. Walk away. Vote with your dollars. <laughs> Don't buy crappy yep. comics. You'll be re- you'll be reviewing it again next month. He's going home to read more of Ultimate Spider Man. He's not he he's is. not fooling anybody. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna hope it gets good, and when it gets good, I'll let you know. Please do, Mark. If you could just let us know with the same anger that you let us know it was bad, <laughs> I would really yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah, I couldn't hold back. It's been on my mind for a while. It's the first time we've had this outro in a while. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Wow. Dale, Feels did good. you just not hop on quick enough with uh, Good to Be Alive? Slow. He was slow to the draw, I think. He's got Feels something like, cooking. I can see him. He's brewing well, something up. He's got the I, I, didn't have any topic, I didn't have anything topical to play, so I just figured I'd 
let the experts handle it. Go back to the old faithful. There's always the fireside for you to bust something out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, We're running late. 64 minutes right now. Wow. I mean, once we edit out Jonesy's garage band crapping out, it could be under an hour. Uh, Yeah, I uh, apologize for that. Could be under 34 minutes. (laughs) We'll see everybody (laughs) next week. Colombo! What is a intro rebuttal? In your intro, you said that you were a fright. There was something in your intro that I had question about. I'm going to have to re-listen to the episode just so I can know what my rebuttal was. Should have written it down. Was it fan feistro? Yes, thank you. Thank you. What is a feistro? Uh, Well, if you take the word maestro and you remove the M... And you take the first part of fanfic, you get fanfeistro. And now the joke is is officially dead. This is the Jonesy's teaches like a D-bag segment. (laughs) (laughs) Explains explains things like a D-bag segment. I do it all the time at work. People hate it. Well, you got to understand, for 95 episodes, I've gotten to come up on him because I use slang and he doesn't get it. Everybody gets one. Oh, remember that time when Jonesy would uh, act like a dumb white man to to all mark slang and, yeah. and ask yeah. him to to re to re say <laughs> the slang? Oh my lord! I really get a kick out of that. I'm not gonna lie. Just you. <laughs> do we have Do we have any other rebuttals from uh, this episode? I lightning agreed with uh, Dale's Umberto. Um, mm, he's doing some magical stuff in that book. How about the cover that was teased? for like Superior Spider-Man 14 where he has a new costume and it looks like the Scarlet Spider Ben Riley Spider-Man costume. Oh, yeah, the one I, I with the blue uh, hoodie? No, no. the When Ben Riley was Spider-Man. The one with the black spider along the shoulders and running down mm-hmm. the back. Oh, okay. No idea what you're talking about. I'm telling you, by the end of 2013 we'll see Peter Parker in control of that body. Uh, that, speaking of Sp- uh, Scarlet Spider, do you know the... Uh, that one I just talked about with the uh, blue hoodie is back out See in Target Jersey? as an exclusive. Really? Yeah, I, it's right up there if you want to grab it. You might have to pick up that bad boy. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Comes with a stand. He's hanging upside down. You're amassing quite Beautiful. the toy collection in this den. Well, you know, I gotta, I gotta take him out of the uh, totes at some point and put him up. If I hadn't met your totes. son before, I'd feel like it was a thirty-year-old virgin up in here. Okay, thanks. How about that big? How about that big? Uh, Christian Bale Batman you have. That one freaks me out every time I go to that. <laughs> it's, like, it's three and a half foot tall in his den. It is the scariest thing. I think I put thing. that back in the garage. I don't think it's in here anymore. He wasn't even, he was kind of like half out of his box. He's just kind of chilling there. Probably still got his like plastic wraps around his arms sitting against you, a cardboard box. You probably put him in the garage because you walked in Jack's room and found him hovering <laughs> over Jack's crib. Like cat's eye. Swear to me. Like child's play? <laughs> Cat's Eye. Yeah. What a, that movie freaked me out when I watched it one day as a kid. There, I, that was like some scarring happening. Absolutely, Absolute that scarring. little troll. They blamed the <laughs> like poor cat, sucking in the soul of the kids or whatever the hell that troll did. Oh yeah, that God. happens. Yeah. Apparently, never again. Never again. <laughs> this little Bale, little Christian Bale dies how little, doing it. How messed up would it be if <laughs> Christian Bale Batman just opened the door to the garage and walked in? <laughs> Mark, would you die, right? Would you just flip out right there? You, you, you would, both of you would have simultaneous <laughs> heart attacks and stroke out to death immediately. <laughs> I would be screaming and wetting my pants like a five-year-old girl. Right, oh, yeah. my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Now, what oh if God. you walked out with a Miller Lite and just walked up the steps? Mark, how's that uh, 5K that? training going? Aren't you supposed to be like training for a decathlon? When is that? The Warrior Dash, it is August 24th. 
August 20th. I mean, he got seri- so all serious. What are your short term goals for that? Like, I don't even the know. What do you do for that? My goal for that is to finish it. Okay. Plain and simple. So, what's your training regimen? It is consisting of racquetball Monday nights, upping it to Tuesday, gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday, consisting of four-mile runs to start. It is lifting. Got to get my upper body strength for the obstacles back up. There's obstacles. Oh, yeah. Rope swings, mud crawls, jumping over fire. What? God. Mud crawls under barbed wire. Do you have to be in a bikini when you do it? No, that's a bonus. I've got the banana hammock training. <laughs> what are you joining army over there? Just got to do it. Isn't I can't this for wait. Like charity? Why? Why do you have to risk death with these barbed wires? Ah, it's fun. What's the alternative? Not doing anything? It'll be great. Oh man, here we go. The girl has done it before. Like Some of her brothers have done it. My friends have done it. I never have, but I can't believe the can't videos. Believe my family lawyer and your lover can do anything with that she's got like an ankle that is literally powder i don't know her i don't know how she does anything the fastest way to get her to do something is to tell her she can't do it so yes you're right that ankle is very fragile but the second i express some concern over it that just means she's going to do it even more she's gonna be in a wheelchair for your guys wedding Mm -hmm. between now and 2020 now and 2020 i got time she'll be no she'll be like that uh that olympian with a fake legs like the limbs she's gonna look like a gazelle with one of those robotic limbs uh, the one that murdered his uh, his girlfriend in the bathroom alleged yeah alleged accidentally alleged, alleged possible pistors. manslaughter accidental manslaughter it'll be a good time 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 